This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to episode 93 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And we're going to stay home this week. <laughs> well, I am anyway. <laughs> so Kansas. Kansas, Beth. Kansas. Kansas, Mom. <laughs> I've got the true crime. <laughs> and you have the paranormal and the drinks. What are we drinking? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Goober. We are drinking wine from Kansas. What is that sound I'm hearing? It sounds like a... It's a damn wind and I can... We're Kansas, okay? <laughs> it is the wind. We are in Kansas. It is very <laughs> It's It's windy. not sound effects. It is really the wind. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> if we drink this wine, we'll be just fine. Do you mean to rhyme? <laughs> We've been to this vineyard a long time ago, many moons ago. Okay. I chose a wine from Holyfield Winery. I knew it. Yes, I love to go there. One big reason is they do a great murder mystery. Yes, this they guy do. guy comes from St. Louis and... Oh my gosh, it's 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 so much stinking fun. But anyway, I, I yes. think what I remember most because it was a long time ago. They're big dog people. Yes, they are. Yes, they are like two. No, probably three dogs. Yeah, I loved that. Um, so actually, it is a winery run by a daughter and her dad. Mm -hmm. The vines were actually first planted there in 1986. Oh. Yeah, and they have like 14 acres, and it's located in, okay, I cannot pronounce this, Bazer? Bazer? Bazer. Bazer? Oh, there's a shh, like a grocer? <laughs> okay. Bazer, Kansas. <laughs> so they have a tasting room, and they're, you know, their vineyards there. Uh, and I actually chose a white for tonight, Mom, because we have not... No, we we've never done a white. All no. Right. A white, all right? Oh, no. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this is actually the wine we drank when we were there. It is the Chardonnay. Okay. It's a dry white wine with crisp citrus notes. All right. All righty. Well, cheers, Mom. Cheers. It is nice and crisp and clean. Very crisp. Yes. We always do red on the podcast. So I wanted to do a white. Well, that's appropriate for the tornado and wind. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, 
You drink red with red meats and you drink white with tornadoes and wind. <laughs> okay, I do have to add here that the people at the winery, Holyfields, the lady that runs, first of all, her father looks totally like Ernest Hemingway. You think uh, so? Yes. <laughs> and um, she is just a delight. Oh my gosh. She is so I remember meeting friendly. her. her- her name is Michelle and her yes. dad's name is Les and they I remember meeting her. She was lovely. She's just so friendly and I don't know. I mean, you know, we only go there once, maybe twice a year uh, for the shows. She always remembers us. Well, I will always remember because that was Alex's first murder <laughs> mystery event with mom and I and and Tom we were just and we were just dating uh, we weren't even engaged I'm surprised he didn't see his way out god this family no the guy putting on the show was dressed as Snooky Snooky that's right from Jersey Shore and was dancing on Alex's lap and I will never <laughs> I will never forget Alex's red face <laughs> Love you, honey. Thanks for sticking with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Holyfield Winery in Kansas. If you're nearby, go check it out. It would be a good little outing. Say hi to Michelle. It's it's just really cute and quaint out there. And the wines are good, especially this Chardonnay, if you like a dry white. Crispy wine. Crispy. Wow. <laughs> Okay, mom, like a French fry, Uh, which does go well with white wine. It does. All right. Are you ready? As ready as I can be, mom. Okay. I'm going to tell you about a little house on the prairie. Ooh, Laura Ingalls Wilder. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I don't remember much true crime with (laughs) Miss Laura, but Pa took care of all the bad guys. What are you talking about? (laughs) No. It's not Laura Ingalls Wilder, but I thought that was a great intro. Anyway, what I am going to start off with those little history, because I didn't know about it, and I thought it was kind of interesting. The Great Osage Trail, also known as the Osage Mission Independence Trail, was first traveled by Native Americans through what we now know as the Midwest and Plains states. Wait, the plain, like we're plain states? Plains. P-L-A-I-N-S. Oh, Oh, good Lord. Actually, the first pavers of the trail were herds of buffalo migrating and creating the pathway. Bison. Yeah, that's right. Bison. Thank you for the correction. Buffalo is our animals in Africa. Yeah. The creatures that are here. The creatures. (laughs) Are bison. You taught me that. I did teach you that. (laughs) Then I forgot it. But I thought, one drop will do ya. I'm thinking like, so with these huge animals, they just take one creatures, tra- one trail all the time. I mean, how did wow, they? Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, think about it. A deer, there's always those like paths. A deer in the trail. Woods. Yeah. Why do they do that? Uh, that's. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know you don't, but I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so keep this trail in mind, okay? it's It comes later into the story, and it's important. Okay, now a little bit more history. After the Civil War ended, the U.S. government moved the Osage Native Americans in southeast Kansas to, quote, 
new Indian Territory, what we now know as Oklahoma. Then on May 20th, 1862, President Lincoln signed the Homestead Act. With this act, any U.S. citizen or intended citizen who had never borne arms against the U.S. government could lay claim to 160 acres of government land. Oh, wow. Yeah. But there was a process and stipulations. The citizen had to file an application and had to improve the land. So you can't just squat on it. You gotta you gotta grow some stuff. Do something with it. After five years, the homesteader could file for a deed of title for the land by submitting proof of residency and improvement to a local land office. And this was easier said than done. Life of the frontier was very difficult, as we all know. Wind Too bad we're not titling our episodes fun anymore. Mom's making us put the subjects in the titles now of our episodes. But man, this episode should be titled Wind, <laughs> Blizzards, and Insects. Uh, we do have like, Ew. The, those grasshoppers and locusts, you know? I know. We do have those in the, the summer. The boys love those, chasing them down. It's so gross. But this made growing crops a great challenge. Raising livestock was difficult as there was very little natural vegetation. So all the five years doesn't sound like much time to reside someplace in order to stake a claim to it. Many homesteaders did not stay. It couldn't even last that long. Mm -mm. Along with the rough weather and land conditions, this area is also known for man-made dangers. Most of us have heard of the gunfights in Dodge City and the many outlaws that spent time in Kansas in the 1800s. Travelers crossing through Kansas had to be vigilant of being attacked by robbers, bandits. Did I say that? Bandits? Bandits? I'll let you get there, Mom. It's a bandit. (laughs) Yeah, but there's an S at the end. Bandits? That's what I said, okay. That's not what you said. (laughs) And Native Americans. This was a well-known fact at the time. What it was sounds it like known? there's a sound machine. It's really windy out. I mean, I'm afraid this tree is going to blow right through my w- window. Hopefully that doesn't happen. And honey, I can't do anything about it, okay? <laughs> you go out there and you yell at that wind. <laughs> there's nothing I can do about the wind. All right, go on. Sorry. Okay. This was a well-known fact at the time about the dangers. What wasn't known was the danger that a family living along the Osage Mission Trail to a hungry and tired traveler. And no, I'm not talking about the Ingalls. Pa and Ma would have kicked him up something good. <laughs> yeah, she would have. In 1870, several families of spiritualists, and we have talked about that before, settled in Labette County, southeast Kansas. One of these families was the Benders. I had a feeling we were heading there. <laughs> There was John Bender Sr., his wife, Elvira. Oh, I just picture. I just picture that Looney Tunes character. <laughs> right? Is that Looney Tunes? I'm picturing the Elvira of the dark, you know, with the long hair. And she's... Who am I picturing? Elmira? <laughs> what? Who? Who's that little girl that chases all the creatures? <laughs> she was... Come here, let me hug you. Yeah. What was her name? Wasn't it Elmira? Elvira? Elmi- 
Anyway, geez Louise, I cannot stay on a path today. There was John Bender Sr., his wife Elvira, son John Jr., and Kate. And John Jr., he was a grown man, okay? He wasn't a little kid. Just to be clear, it is not exactly known if John Jr. and Kate were brother and sister or husband and wife. I was wondering why you didn't say daughter. You said son, but not daughter. So I was curious. Okay. Yeah. This is just a first of the many things we do not know about the Benders in this whole situation. Well, it happened a long time ago. But I think even when it was happening, people did not know whether the two were husband and wife or brother and sister. Ew. (laughs) Ew is right. Okay. I feel like that's something you should know. (laughs) What we do know is that they built a little cabin, a barn, a corral, and dug a well. The one-room cabin, which was about 16 by 24, consisted of the front, which was a general store, and an inn. The back of the cabin served as a living quarters for the family. How? The thing is tiny. So the front of the cabin was separated by a large white hanging canvas. Yeah. There was a teeny tiny table. (laughs) Everything was teeny tiny in this cabin. (laughs) Teeny tiny table with two chairs sitting around the table. Okay. Picture that. Remember, 16 by 24. It's small. Now, I don't know how much space that leaves the people that are the benders. The benders. Where did they sleep? I mean, how did they sleep? <laughs> was there like an upstairs and a downstairs? No. no. It's uh, just, a, that's it. They sleep on top of each other. I don't, I mean, well, I can't I even I really picture. hope they're not brother and sister. <laughs> I just cannot figure. <laughs> okay, so the location of the cabin definitely comes into play in the story because it's sat right along the Osage Trail. Oh, we know what that is now. Yep, see? Weary travelers would come across the cabin with its little hanging sign offering supplies. Okay, so at the store, there were things like gunpowder, shotgun shells, groceries, liquor, and tobacco. Travelers could also find a meal, I've left that out, and a, quote, safe place to rest for the night. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you a little bit about the benders. Let me describe these guys to you. Why don't you bend our ears? Okay. (laughs) John Sr. and wife Elvira kept to themselves. It is thought that they immigrated from Germany, but that's not for sure. (laughs) John Sr. was around 60 years old when the family first arrived in the area. He was about six feet tall, quote, black piercing eyes, bushy brows, a heavy beard, and long hair. He was a very hairy man. (laughs) He just sounds scary looking. Anyway, he spoke with such a heavy accent that people could not understand him. And I guess he kind of (laughs) like... And it was was such a heavy accent that they didn't even know where he was from. Nope. Elvira, or Ma Bender, was around 55 when they arrived. She was also quite scary. In fact, people called her a, quote, she-devil. Oh! (laughs) Because, okay, now, here is where it really differs. Okay, so one thing that I read, one article that I read said, described her as stout, heavy-set woman 
who was very unfriendly, okay? Then I read a newspaper article from back in the time, and it described her as a tall, thin woman. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's a shapeshifter. <laughs> oh boy, okay. Maybe she was heavy set when they first came there and she lost oh. weight and grew. She went but on a she diet. she grew then too. And she grew. Oh no. So, yeah, this is what I mean about resources. It's all over the place on this one. Okay. Everybody agrees that, quote, she was called a she devil because she so, was so, so. No matter mean. what she looked like, <laughs> no matter her form or the way she shape shifted, she was the she devil. Yes. So, John Bender Jr. was about 25. He was tall and slender and was described as rather handsome. He did speak English with only a slight accent. Now, the strange thing about John Jr. is that just out of the blue, he would just start laughing. <laughs> oh. He would just be talking to somebody and then <laughs> just start laughing. It's really bizarre. Yeah. So people thought him as, quote, a half-wit. So half-witted, like he wasn't totally there. Now we come to the lovely Kate. She was about 23, spoke fluent English, was cultured and very friendly. Now, this is a family, and I mean, she just totally stood out. She was beautiful with flowing red hair. Her and John Jr. were readily accepted into the new community. Of course, as with the rest of the family, Kate, although lovely, had a few quirks. She claimed to have psychic powers with which she could communicate with the dead. She also said that she could cure illnesses. She often traveled around the area on lecture tours. And during her lectures, she would push free love. She was born a century too soon. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, what time period was this? <laughs> oh, yeah, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Gotcha. <laughs> but even stranger, she would justify murder in her lectures oh no yeah and when i'm talking about free love this is where this is where it gets weird the people didn't know whether she was brother and sis you know whether her and john jr were brother and sister or whether they were husband and wife because she even like talked about oh if you're attracted to your brother and the brother's attracted to the sister what's wrong with having a relationship Oh, she was weird. When I'm talking about free love, I mean free love. <laughs> she said, if you want Ew. it, go get it. Some outside of her community found Kate to be somewhat, quote, satanic. But was she? Let's talk a little about why the family is now referred to as duh, 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 the bloody the benders. Bloody benders. So they opened their store in 1871. It was shortly after the opening that people began to go missing. Now, honestly, this was not a totally strange occurrence because of the hostilities and diseases along the trail. Travelers would go missing all the time. Then, in May of 1871, the body of a man was found in a creek, or as we say here in Kansas, crick. A crick. The man Gosh. had his ba skull bashed in and his throat cut. He had no belongings on him. In February, 
1872, bodies of two other men were found, bearing the same injuries. By 1873, disappearances had become frequent in this area of Kansas, but no one knew why. In the winter of 1872, George Longcore and his daughter, some sources say his infant daughter, other sources say his eight-year-old daughter, okay, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> some others say six years old, so she was either a baby, six years old, or eight years old, okay? <laughs> Yeah, no big difference. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that Longcore and his daughter left Independence, Kansas to settle in Iowa, but were never heard of again. Oh, no. Dr. William York, who was Lancor's neighbor in Independence, decided to go look for his neighbor and the little girl. In the spring of 1873, Dr. York questioned people living along the trail that Lancor would have had to take to get to Iowa. He made it to Fort Scott, but on the return to Independence, Dr. York went missing. He was the wrong man to mess with. York had two brothers. One was a colonel who had served in the Civil War and lived in Fort Scott. That's why they knew that he had made it to Fort Scott. And oh. another was a senator and lived in Independence. Uh-oh. Wrong person. The two men made it their mission to find their brother, with about 50 other men in tow. They asked travelers along the way, as well as homesteaders on the trail. One cabin they stopped at was the Benders, who admitted that the doctor had stopped and spent the night there, but he was very much alive when he left the next day. <laughs> the York brothers were baffled and concerned, as were many people in the community and the neighboring communities. An Osage township meeting was held about 75 people I should say 75 men attended I don't think the women went to these things including the Bender men the group decided to search all the farms in the area all attending the meeting agreed to have their homes and their lands searched the Benders never said anything they sat in the back of the room and didn't say anything very suspicious from here, I'll refer to the May 15th, 1873 news article in the Kansas Chief, which was produced in Troy, Kansas. And this is a shout out to Jerry Cross, who is the only person I know from Troy. I know that there's a lot of there's people from Troy, but Jerry, you're the only one I know. And if you're sorry, mom, and if you're a patron, you'll recognize Jerry. He was one of the detectives that was interviewed for a Patreon episode that's right the paper was real i in those days they didn't hesitate to and and i've got some quotes in here to just say like crude <laughs> and like gross oh, things oh my gosh mom i'm gonna reference that in my paranormal portion too uh-uh yes huh <laughs> oh just wait yeah, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, they don't hold back. Like, they no. put everything out there. Yeah. There is no filter. It's so weird. It's so weird. And the exclamation marks and the big yeah. writing. And the, it's, yeah. so, it's so funny. So, okay, this is, again, where references get weird. But it was after the meeting. Okay, so... A week after the meeting or three weeks after the meeting, not sure, but a farmer noticed that there was a dead calf in the corral as he passed the Bender homestead. And after looking closely, 
he knew that the animal had died of starvation. He took his discovery to the local authorities. Now, you know, this is this is unheard of. They took, I mean, farmers took care of their cattle. They wouldn't just let. Well, they're supposed to now, especially out there on that land. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, um, you know, it says that a group of men went up to the Bender's house and and they found the starving cattle. But according to the newspaper, (laughs) the Kansas chief, it was a farmer who passed the house. So, but it doesn't matter. The place was deserted. What they found is pretty much recounted in this, the same way, okay, when the men walked in. They entered the Bender home, and they found that the cabin had been emptied of food, clothing, and personal possessions. What the men did find was a terrible smell. Uh-oh. As they searched the house, and they couldn't find any reason for the smell, but as they searched it, they noticed a trap door in the floor. They pried it open, and as soon as they opened it, the stench just flew up. I mean, they had to, like, it was disgusting, and I'll tell you why. Well, they we f- can all guess why. <laughs> well, they found a hole six feet deep and about five feet around. The light did not hit the bottom of the hole. So, you know, we don't have flashlights at this time. So what they did have, the light didn't reach the bottom. But the men had to step away because of the terrible smell. And then they lowered themselves into the bottom of the hole. And, quote, they found thick, fetid, slimy, sticky blood. Unquote. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Talk about a visual. Oh, no. <laughs> but the blood was all that was at the bottom of this hole. So the men's attention was drawn to the garden behind the cabin. People had noticed that the garden and the orchard that were around this cabin, the women always had it plowed up or the men, women, I they uh, the ground was always plowed. No matter what, the ground was always plowed. Mm. Well, I'm not a farmer. I don't know if that's normal or abnormal, but the way you're saying it, I'm a, I'm assuming that's abnormal. They thought that it was kind of weird. Um, so the men were drawn to this garden and within just a few minutes, they found a corpse in a shallow hole with about only two feet of dirt covering him. The body was that of Dr. York. He had been bashed in the head and his throat cut from ear to ear. At least 12 bodies were found, including that of Mr. Lancor and his daughter. All the bodies showed signs of the same cause of death a blow to the head, and their throats cut, except the little girl. Her body showed no signs of an attack at all. So there's two different thoughts. One is that she was smothered, and the other is even worse, that she was buried alive. Oh, my gosh. The burial site was named Hell's Half Acre, and it still kind of carries that name. Yeah, you can find it on Google Maps. Mm Mm-hmm. They call it like the Bender Mounds or something like that, yep, though. You're exactly right. Yep. Okay. Altogether, $3,000 was offered as a reward for the capture of all four Benders. That's a lot okay. of money back then. A lot. As in the case of Eugene Butler, remember him? The guy who had the cabin and then rode his horse through town and then he was... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
no, it's not ringing any bells. A lot of people lived in cabins and rode horses back then. I'm really trying no, to No, he was crazy. He was like nuts. He thought people were chasing him. Oh, a totally him. other story. Yes, I remember this guy. Yeah, yes. and then he buried his he buried yes, the bodies yes, underneath yes, his house. Yes, okay. That was such a creepy story. Yes. And that was from North Dakota. But as with him, when the news spread about the benders, people came from all over to get a piece of the cabin. <sighs> so crazy to me. I know. It's like the source of entertainment back then. I mean, we're attracted to the true crime. So people were attracted to this true crime and the newspaper yeah. just was it. I mean, yeah. So that was it. They came, yeah. I mean, I'm not justifying taking a piece of the piece of the property, but but they did. They there were so many people there that took a piece of the property that nothing was left. It's so interesting to me. It's so weird. I mean, they basically tore the house down taking pieces of it. Well, it wasn't very big. There weren't very many pieces to go around, so <laughs> That's true. But they did find like bullet holes inside of the cabin so they think that like after the men's heads have been bashed in you know some grabbed their guns and were trying to shoot but uh. obviously you know as a defense and then they fell in the hole so, oh my gosh you know i thought that was kind of the so thanks for sharing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like i said the home was demolished to the ground by all these people taking a piece of it but not before what had happened at that horrible place was kind of pieced together from quote evidence at the home as well as some witnesses stepping forward as having been confronted at the benders when they stopped by okay so but like when you what i understand they're witnesses now and they're confirming a story but stepping forward now isn't helping anybody <laughs> Why did you step forward originally when it happened? Well, remember, we're talking about a century ago. I mean, they just got the hell out of Dodge. Not literally Dodge. <laughs> it's just a saying. <laughs> so from all that, remember I said the canvas was separating the house? Yes, yes. The canvas was, well, as we've seen, the covered wagons. It's like a beige white. Yeah. But this canvas was stained well i can only imagine can you i mean really honestly yeah i wouldn't sit there i i wouldn't sit by a stained canvas to begin with okay no. there's blood stains on this thing i mean uh, anyway Ugh. the individuals would be asked to sit in the quote seat of honor at the table one of the two chairs there yeah but there was <laughs> only one chair that was the seat of honor and it oh, was like okay. The canvas was behind them. Okay. <laughs> Some witnesses stated that the urgency the benders projected in having them sit on that one chair made them feel really uncomfortable and they left. Okay. So they didn't really, they just felt uncomfortable. So there wasn't really anything to you know, I talk see. about. Okay. So, but yeah, that'd be really uncomfortable. No, please come in. Oh, yes. Here, sit in this chair. Now, remember, Ma Bender wasn't like that. She's probably like, hey, come sit on this sweat chair. <laughs> They're like, no. And then she would get super, super, like one witness said that she would get really, really mad. 
start she is a she devil screaming oh my gosh i would leave too yikes so these men would have their backs to the canvas and the light would kind of i guess these can't i always thought these canvases were really thick but somehow i guess their shadow could be seen if you stood behind the canvas okay so they were distracted by the beautiful kate who would do her hippie thing and meanwhile, the two, one of the two bender men were in the back of the canvas. And as soon as the guy sat down and was distracted, they take a hammer and oh, bash his head in oh with the gosh. hammer. And then when the man, when the man collapsed, he was pushed through the trap door. And there, one of the bender women would finish him off by slicing his throat. Oh my gosh. The family would then strip the man of all his money and belongings and bury him. It's thought that far more than 12 people were buried in Hell's Half Acre. Oh, that is horrible. There's different tallies, 20 people, 30 people. I mean, no one really knows. I know that the story about the Benders has been around for a long time. And that time... Many have speculated as to what went on in that small cabin. Did the benders kill for profit because they stole from everybody that came through? Or did they kill for the thrill of killing or for both? And who were they really? Some articles said that only Ma and Kate were related. So with no indication as to where the men even came from. So they all could have just been friends traveling together. Like they don't posing as a family. Nobody knows. knows. Weird. To add even more mystery and intrigue to the bloody Bender story, the four Benders have never been found. The Bender's wagon and starving horses were found a few miles from the homestead. So did they separate and flee by train? Were they lynched by an angry mob and their bodies buried somewhere on the prairie. You'd think that they'd really want that money though. You'd feel like even if they'd lynch them, they'd bring them in for money. I don't know. Or maybe the money was offered afterwards. Sure. We're talking about the frontier here. You know, people found out that these horrible deaths, especially the little girl would have really gotten people's anger up. And if they, if the benders had been found, it's a very good possibility they were killed and then their bodies just buried someplace and nobody Ugh. said anything. I don't know. I, I cannot. It's so creepy to me that they were just out there, though, and just never found. Never found. Never found. Now, I'll tell you some of the other speculations is that Junior and Kate took a train to Chanute. The benders fled not only kansas but also the country then that john jr and kate went to texas and then mexico i i don't know then there were two women from massachusetts that were brought back to kansas and it was thought that it was mrs bender elvira and kate (laughs) but they were released I, i don't know it's it's just crazy and we'll never know that's the thing Ugh, I don't well, like at, that. Never, ever know what happened to the Benders. So I'm going to end with a quote from Mark Twain. 
I know where the heck he comes from, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I thought it was so appropriate. Truth is stranger than fiction, but it is because fiction is obligated to stick to possibilities and truth is not. Ooh. So I thought that really applied to this very strange story of the benders because everything is so wackadoodle and not known. <laughs> Ew. Yep. And it's not made up. It really happened. So <laughs> story of the bloody benders. And I really am tempted to drive down. I'll put Obi in the car. We'll drive down. I want to drive by too. I think it's only like 45 minutes from where I live. And look at the mounds they, they yeah. have the the bender mounds i mean it's but it's private. only it's yeah i was gonna say it's private property and it's only assumed that that's where the cabin was yeah exactly nobody really knows nobody where. really knows yeah it's nobody knows anything <laughs> <laughs> so is yeah. it, i just know that this really happened but yeah <laughs> that's all it happened somewhere out in kansas and the plains oh creepy yeah very creepy. So what do you got? What do you got? I'm going to drink this wine. Well, I'm going to pour myself another glass too. Hold on. Okay. I am really excited to chat about this location. Okay. I had the privilege of talking to the owner. Her name is Stephanie. And I think we became besties when we chatted. Hey, Steph. Hey, girl. Um <laughs> But she is like living my dream. <laughs> All right. She okay, on the beach? So, <laughs> no. Owning a haunted location. Oh. Okay. So her haunted location is the McIntyre Villa in Atchison, Kansas. Oh. Woohoo. Mom and I have mentioned Atchison, Kansas before. It's where she and I both went to college. Uh, we have some fantastic listeners from Atchison. But those of you into the paranormal, and maybe if you're not, I don't know, you've heard of the Sally House. Everybody's is, heard of the Sally House. Yeah. It's supposedly one of the most haunted houses, and it's in Atchison. So when mom said we were covering Kansas, I was like, oh, I know there's a lot of haunted places in Atchison and I'd yes, we'll cover are. the Sally we'll cover the Sally house eventually but I really wanted to find something different I wanted to share some stories and share something that's not necessarily been done time and time again so cool. I was really excited to find this location then I was really excited that I got to talk to the owner and then I was even more excited with how <laughs> active this place is it's crazy <laughs> active okay so the Villa was built in 1889-1890 for a pioneer businessman. His name was John McIntyre. He was an Irish immigrant who came to the United States all alone as a child. Oh, really? Yeah, as a kid. Jeez. He actually like settled like on the East Coast, I think in Pennsylvania, and then worked his way to Kansas in the early 1800s. Mm -hmm. He made and sold horse bridles and saddles. Oh, okay. So this is around the same time that your story took place, which yeah, is really is. Yeah. weird. He probably passed the benders on the way. <laughs> oh, gosh. And he survived. No, I'm sure he, came, he came by train, boat. probably. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
so with all the wagon trains like mom was talking about, <laughs> he <laughs> uh, he had great success with his business of horse bridles and saddles. And I guess he made just like beautiful work. So he did really mm-hmm. well. He invested in real estate in Atchison as well as in St. Joe, which is just over the river there. He also erected a number of business blocks in Atchison. Oh. So this house is absolutely gorgeous. It's very unique and ornate. It's this beautiful, large brick home. I'm going to post a picture. I'll probably post a few on our social media. Please go check it out. It's just stunning. Very impressive house. And when it was constructed, it was at an estimated cost of $14,000. Holy smokes at the time. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Now, Mr. McIntyre did not live in the home long. It was done with construction in 1890, and he actually died in 1895. After he died, his wife, Anna, who's actually his second wife, he married Anna, and she was a widow, and she had three sons. So she was a widow previously, and then became a widow again. But that's confusing. She'd been widowed twice. Yes. She was she, a- God bless it. How many glasses of wine did you drink? I mean, the bottle is empty. Almost <laughs> empty. Yeah. Let's add the splash to your glass. How about that? Okay. Um, okay, so she was a widow. She had three sons from her first marriage. And then when John married her, and then John married her. Okay, <laughs> we got that. But after John died, she stayed in the house. And then she died in 1916. But after John's death, Anna's family kind of took over the house. The Conlon family, like a lot of her relatives moved into the house and cared for it like uh, there was lots of children that lived there her brother was actually a judge judge charles j conlon and he was very uh, i guess he was a very prominent lawyer in atchison but he lived in the house for a time Uh, the conlons actually lived in the home until 1925 the home was used as a boarding house for over 20 years and was then purchased what is described on the 1889 McIntyre Villa website as an eccentric violinist purchased the home. Love okay. that. Then a Mr. George Gerardo purchased the villa and put some updates into it. Mm-hmm. And then it was purchased in 2018 by Stephanie. And she's done some updates as well. Oh, cool. So she just recently really 2018. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, of course, I asked her, why did you buy this house? Especially because she is not from Atchison. So, why this house? Why did you buy it? She told me that it all started at the Crescent Hotel in Arkansas. Oh, covered that one. Yes, we have. She became super fascinated with the paranormal and always joked and told her family and friends that one day she would own a haunted home. (laughs) One day she was actually visiting the Sally house in Atchison and it was mentioned to her that the McIntyre Villa had just become available. And from there, the obsession began. She started driving by the villa regularly. I mean, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I've already stated that. You can drive by and anybody would be shocked, but she was obsessed. She always said that she wanted to buy a haunted house, but 
She never dreamed of owning a home like this. Like I mentioned, Mr. George Gerardo did do a lot of renovations on the home, and Stephanie has maintained it beautifully. The home is filled with 1800s furnishings and finishes, all those little touches from the wallpaper to the rugs to the door handles and light fixtures have lovingly been done by Stephanie. Oh my gosh. It still even has its original hardwood floors. Wow. We're going, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a hard yes. And the original rocking chair that a past inhabitant of the home, Goldie, died in. And oh. of course, the chair is reported to have rocked all by itself at times. There have been nine reported deaths in the villa, one being a suicide by Charles Donovan. And I found it really interesting because his suicide, I mean, everything about how he was visiting with his family and he complained of a headache and took a, quote, headache pill. And then he went up to his room and, quote, used his own rifle, a twenty-two caliber model, to send the bullet into his head, unquote. Ugh. That was printed in the newspaper. Yeah. Like, we just yeah. talked about that, but, like, it's so... It, it's just it, bizarre. It is so bizarre, because it, it, later in the article, it was even, like, into his own brains. And it's like, oh, my it's gosh. Very, it's very colorful and very... Yeah. I, I don't, I don't oh, know. Very something. So his uncle was that judge, Charles Conlon. So Charles right. Donovan is the one who committed suicide. He was living in the home, and so is his uncle, Charles Conlon, who was the lawyer. Charles Donovan, apparently he served in the World War, and he had contracted influenza during so, and really suffered a lot in his health when he came back to the States. His health was just declining, and I guess that's what drove him to his suicide. Yeah. Now, when I asked Stephanie who she believes haunts the house... She feels that Charles is definitely there. But when I asked her to give me a number of the amount of spirits there, she said she couldn't. There are oh. just too many. Really? She and I agree, and I think we've talked about this, that we don't feel that you have to necessarily have died there to haunt exactly. yeah. the location. And she has had others tell her that the house is actually a portal. Yikes. I mean, everything you could witness... In a haunted house, she has. Doors opening and closing. Oh, by the way, several of these occurrences she's posted on her social media, on her Instagram. So go check it out. There's video of doors opening. There's all the EVPs like she posted on her Instagram. It's the 1889 McIntyre. It's M-C-I-N-T-E-E-R Villa is where her Instagram is. Go check it out. Follow her. She posts some really crazy stuff from the villa. But they've witnessed doors opening. She's been shushed before. Shushed? Like, shh. Yeah. And, okay, she's a lot like me. We live on caffeine. And love you, girl. I'm not a very quiet person. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling many a spirits, probably in this house, will shush me whenever we go visit. Uh, yeah, um, she's been Tom used, to, Tom used to say, why does she have to be so loud? I'm just a naturally loud person. I'm sorry. And I've passed that gift on to my children. Uh, okay, so she has been shushed. She has heard women crying. She's oh. heard kids laughing. Ugh. Lots of footsteps. And others have reported hearing conversations 
on the second oh floor gosh. mostly. I guess a lot of the activity happens on the second floor. Yeah. They've heard babies crying and yelling has been captured a few times on her EVPs. There's also a voice heard that she thinks is actually mimicking her. Ooh. So, like I said, Stephanie's a lot of fun. And she said that she'll joke around and she'll use kind of like a a British accent around the house sometimes, just being silly. And she'll be like, you know, hello, you want a chicken wing? Like, just something silly. (laughs) And they've actually captured a spirit on the camera around the house mimicking her, saying like, hello. Really? The same thing? Yeah. I mean, in the same kind of like tone where people have asked, is that you? It's almost like a parrot, like totally copying her. That's weird. So there are cameras placed around the house, obviously for surveillance, uh, because they do events and stuff and, you know, for safety issues. But she says that's how and where she'll capture the most activity. So even when people are doing EVP sessions or, you know, they're doing an investigation And they say, can you go back and check the cameras at this time or whatever? She'll pick up stuff that they didn't even pick up while they were in the home on those cameras. Yeah, it's crazy. And again, she posts all this stuff on her Instagram. It's really cool. So what kind of things, I mean, the EVPs, I understand, but the what kind of things does she pick up with the camera? Doors opening and the EVPs. Oh, so poltergeist type of things, not, not shapes. They've gotten crazy pictures. From investigations, there was actually one that I saw. Oh, I hope I get it right. I think it's called Creepy Podcast. They posted it on their Instagram when they did an investigation at the McIntyre Villa. And it's this shadow figure with glowing eyes. Ew. Like you can literally see this man, a very tall figured man standing like in the doorway-ish, I think that's what it is, with glowing eyes. You see two glowing eyes. Ooh. But she'll go back and watch footage. And, you know, there's one where she's like on her Instagram where she's just changing the light switch panel thing. Uh Uh-huh. And one of the doors just like opens. Or she'll be in a room doing something and she'll just feel off or just, you know, something. And she'll go back and check cameras and she'll hear a voice through the camera that she didn't hear when she was in the room. Oh my gosh. So that's what I mean by EVP is those voices that come across the cameras that the people in the room didn't hear at the time. So the cameras have audio also. Yes. Very cool. But she actually doesn't believe even with the guy with the glowing eyes, she says she doesn't believe anything is demonic or evil in the house. Even though some of the EVPs I've heard uh, there was a couple with some really creepy laughs. Oh. And some name calling. <laughs> but she says that she doesn't. Really? Yeah. But she says that she's never felt anything evil. Although not evil, her little Yorkie, Lucy, hates the house. Um. And the house apparently hates little Lucy. So much so, though, that uh, Stephanie doesn't live in the home. She lives elsewhere. Because Lucy doesn't want to live there. (laughs) Yeah, she'll come regularly and check on the house. And uh, she keeps it open for people that want to rent it for investigations and overnights or receptions and things. Um, You know, some of the hauntings seem to be residual. Like it was a boarding house for a while. So like conversations, it seemed kind of residual or the footsteps maybe. Mm -hmm. But some of them, some of the spirits 
seemed very intelligent. Like she had a room painted and after she painted it, she captured in this really raspy voice. Did you have permission? (laughs) And I really liked how she explained it because she said she's not a sensitive, but she she said, like, you know how your little brother will hold his finger close to your face and be like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. That's how it feels in the house, that something's there, but it's not you can't feel it. Like, but you can just physically you can't physically feel it. Yeah. But just but something's there. Mm-hmm. She's never been touched. But she hears a lot of things. Oh, my gosh. So she has lived. She has lived in the house. No. She has never lived in the house. No. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. She does not live in the house, but she's there regularly doing updates or, you know, she opens the home up for when people, guests come and things like that. And she's there Mm -hmm. daily, basically. Mm -hmm. But she's heard male voices yell at her. She's heard cussing and a (laughs) and one of her theories is because she's a single woman who owns the home yeah and the men don't like that and the men don't like that (laughs) those men oh how or another another one of her theories why they yell at her like they will yell at her when she she'll capture yelling and hear yelling when she changes the mantles for the seasons and stuff they just don't want change that or they're applauding her. Looks great. <laughs> <laughs> As they're cussing. <laughs> I like to think positive here. But one of the other reasons she thinks that she hears the men yelling or cussing is because she plays and she raps a lot of ludicrous when she's in the house. Oh, how funny. So these guys don't really know what's going on. <laughs> no, the ghosts don't seem to like it. And I guess actually ghosts who reserve the villa or ghosts who reserve the villa. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> she takes reservations from all kinds. <laughs> Guests who reserved the villa for a haunted night, will sometimes ask her to rap ludicrous for them before she leaves to get the ghosts ramped up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yes, the house is open for overnights, and she's willing to let some borrow her paranormal equipment if you don't have any. She has cat balls around the house for you to what? use. Yeah, that's what I said when she told me that she had cat balls around the house. I was like, (laughs) are there dang cats there? I am not a cat fan. No, they are these balls that are cat toys, essentially. But when something moves it, there's movement to the ball. It lights up. Oh, so you have to touch it. It can't be like a motion detector. But when it's touched, like when the spirit touches it, it lights up. Oh, how cool. Okay, She has those around the house. On like rugs or on table runners, places that it won't you know, roll on its own for the spirits okay. to to interact with. 
Um, and then so when you do rent it, you actually you get there and she'll give you a tour of the home and then she'll show you pictures and videos that she's captured. But she'll also share some haunted stories. And she made a really good point, like no offense to the Crescent Hotel. But if you go on a tour at the Crescent Hotel, you're going to be hearing the same story when you go there 10 years ago that you'll probably hear now from the tour guides. You know what I mean? I probably heard the same story when I took the tour that yeah thousands of other people have heard so what's really cool though is that she's going to share stories with you that happened last month maybe yesterday like she the tour is different no matter when you go it's it's always just fun and she's very fun so it's going to be a very entertaining tour and especially if she's rapping some ludicrous oh my gosh she's booked out pretty far into may but We're going, Mom. I, we're going. I'm, okay. We're going. Okay. I have a couple of dates I need to run by you, but we're going. All right. There's just so much that's happened there. So many great stories she told me. You know, it was a, we were on the phone chatting for a while. She had some great stuff. Like some guests, I guess, were getting, some guests, I guess, were getting ready to go to bed. And there was an EVP captured that said, it was two voices. One said, they're going to bed. And the other said, I know. Oh, no wonder she does not know how many spirits are there. No, it's just all these conversations and different. There's knocking. There's I mean, the house is large. There's an attic, a basement, and then there's two stories, the main level. And then the second story, which is the most active, she said. And you can't miss it if you're driving through Atchison. There's these large skeletons outside. And she has a large skeleton horse with a carriage. And she does that because he made bridles and saddles. That's right. We passed it on the tour. Yeah, we did. The haunted Atchison tour. Yep. Yeah. So it was so fun to chat with her. And a little side note. Okay. While we were on the phone, she was actually driving to Vegas for Paracon. (laughs) Cool. I know I oh that'd be so much fun to go she met a lot of people there and I touched base with her afterwards because I wanted yeah. to know how it was yes. and she met Zach Bagans no way <laughs> yeah she said that she'd heard from a lot of people that he's kind of you know and we've heard it too that he's kind of a douchebag but and she wasn't really she didn't really know what to expect she went to the haunted museum's flashlight investigation again she didn't really know what to expect from the museum but she loved the museum oh really yeah and she said that zach happened to be leaving the museum when the investigation was over And Mm -hmm. he stayed and answered everyone's questions and listened to their stories. And she said it was freezing outside. Oh, my gosh. And he didn't rush anybody. Now, that is totally opposite from the other stuff that we've heard. Wow, that's great. He even took pictures with whoever asked. So she got a picture with him. And she said he was very kind and very patient and when I'm, I'm sure he probably wanted to leave. He had just been at the museum and then he just stayed after and talked with everybody outside in the freezing weather. Oh, my goodness. I thought that was so cool. Because so she heard, told him about her house? I, I sure hope she did. And that would be so cool if they did an investigation. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. want to go before they go because I don't want to hear that there's some demonic entity there. <laughs> oh, Zach. <laughs> before we go. <laughs> I agree. Okay. But a super spooky 
place. Oh, but fun. Just so much activity. I love that they mimic her and she sa- she, she makes it fun. I mean, that is like my dream is not to live in a haunted house, but if I owned an old historic home like that where I could uh-huh. leave if I needed to. <laughs> she says she does. If she walks in and it just doesn't feel right, she'll just turn around and go. Wow. Pretty cool. That Go check out her Instagram and stuff. It's really will neat. be interesting. I am, you know, because I'm the critic on this one, <laughs> and I will be interested to see how I you feel are, when I. You are the critic with hauntings. Yes, you yes. are. So I'd be interested to see how I feel when I walk into the oh. house. I need her to be playing ludicrous for like 48 hours on end before <laughs> you come. <laughs> Now, I have felt things before, so I'm not totally, you know, opposed to that. I'm just wondering whether, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but whether she gives the house power by walking in and feeling uncomfortable and walking back out. Do you know what I mean? Well, there are just so many people that have done investigations there, though. I've watched YouTube videos. I've seen tons of Instagram posts from other people. I mean, they all capture stuff. It's not just Steph that captures stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I am so pumped about going. This is And this you know is what's funny so is fun. because you aren't necessarily, I mean, you're a believer, but not necessarily like you're the critic. And she says that's when the stuff happens the most. Like she... <laughs> She has receptions like they had a wedding reception there and they were very clear to her like we don't want to know about the hauntings. We're not here for hauntings. We don't want to talk ghosts. We're here for the house. We're here for a wedding reception. And she captured a lot of EVPs on the cameras while that was like while they were there. So that's just it's not like she can turn the ghosts off. Like (laughs) guys it's a wedding. We're going to be quiet today. (laughs) (laughs) So who oh. we need to bring is Tom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The number one critic of all time. The non-believer. Oh, my gosh. I want to leave him in a room and have the cat balls just lighting up all around him. <laughs> all around oh. him. <laughs> Be hysterical. Ugh. Okay, so like I said, you can find her on Instagram. I will link her social media pages in our resources where you can find our resources is killerhangoverpodcast.com if you have a haunted location you want us to interview you shoot us an email this was so much fun i like getting the inside scoop yeah yeah and making new friends awesome (laughs) well this is cool thank you that was really cool and i i agree and you do such a good job at that at what at calling people up and asking about things and I mean I did that with pink and look we've got Mike Palmer that is he helps with the ghosty stuff too Uh, the more the merrier he's he's my go-to when I have a question about that so yeah fun stuff so send us an email killerhangoverpodcast at gmail.com Share our podcast, guys. Thank you so much to those who have. Leave us a review if you have the chance on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. But yeah, if you could just give us a share on your social media, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yep. And there are some people that do that and we really appreciate. Yeah. So I named where our resources are going to be. I said our email address. Mom, where can they find us? (laughs) I don't know. If a tornado comes, I don't know. Oh my god, I feel like the wind is picking up. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. TikTok. 
for all the cocktail recipes. Holyfield Winery in in Bezier, Kansas. Go check them out on their website as well if you're in the area. Go have a glass of wine for us. Yeah. Shoot him a hello from Killer Hangover. <laughs> please, please do. All right, Mom. Well, this is a fun episode. Fun stuff. I think it's so crazy we didn't discuss it and we talked the same time period for both of our stories, basically. And we hit on the fact that newspapers were weird back then. <laughs> they were very graphic. Whew. Yes, graphic, colorful. I mean, but they didn't have TVs, so they brought the picture of things to the reader's mind by being so graphic I with guess. words yes yeah well, with words that's true anyway <sighs> cheers mama oh cheers love you kid <laughs>